Church Podcast. With your host, Hodgie the Hack. Hello, everybody. Finally, uh, welcome along. My name is Benjamin Bloom. This is the Benjamin Bloom Football Channel. And please welcome and Apologies for the Scotsman's tardiness here. Uh, this is Behind Enemy Lines episodes for... Um, we are here, finally. Please get your questions in on all things Ipswich Town and Norwich City. It is a combined podcast. Um, one week over on my channel, one week over on Hodge's channel. Um, we are over here on my channel this week, so Ipswich are the home too. So we're going to talk about them, then we're going to talk about Norwich in the second half. Hodge, how are you, my friend? Not too bad, mate. Sorry for keeping everyone late, but you know what they say, good things come to those who do wait. Um, I don't know if I'm a good thing. Uh, and just for clarity, by the way, it's like fortnightly, isn't it? So it's one fortnight on your channel, one fortnight in mine, just for in case anyone's a newbie. But I think we've got loads of people who have seen what we're, we do here before. So um, I've got to no, hmm. come in hot here. I'm on your Twitter um, so this is you hyping an interview with Charlie Wyatt, okay? Um, one of the biggest journalistic hitters, and then a nice picture of Charlie Wyatt. And to promote this, you have a picture of Mr. Burns from The Simpsons saying, <laughs> I keep my friends close and my enemies even closer. Um, in the chat, please, and Mr. Hodge, that's quite disrespectful to me, isn't it? Don't you think? I want a uh, nice picture of me like Charlie Wyatt. <laughs> It's a joke, mate. It's a joke. And plus, I, I think the contrast as well, by the way, is the fact that Montgomery Burns has no hair and you have those luscious oh, locks. So, um, you know you know the way around me already, don't you? Hey? I do. By the way, can I, on behalf of absolutely everyone watching, wish you <laughs> yeah. a sincere congratulations, mate. Uh, absolutely can brilliant. I pass it straight to my heroic missus who did oh. all the... Um, all the heavy lifting as well. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, you you just get to enjoy the glory of of being a dad. How is it? How's life changed, mate? It's it's sleepy, yeah, sleepy. <laughs> um, two two hour sleep in blocks, and poor old Shaylee's struggling to get around as well. So um, I will be um, going and doing some running around after her, and rightly so, of course. Right, let's get into this. Um, get your comments in. Get your questions in. Let's talk about Ipswich, who, since we last spoke, have signed another three players. I'm I'm beginning to think advocating a five-point bonus per player signed, <laughs> which would put Ipswich on a starting total of 80 points, which would work for me. So Ipswich have now signed 16 players, but um, have been rather hopeless uh, in the league with um, yeah. in the past three games. Um you know, one of those games where you kind of play well and every little thing you could fall over, you fall over. Ipswich have done that cumulatively, but over three <laughs> games. I think, I think they've conceded about five shots and conceded six goals and just um, uh, not been scoring. So, so look, um, let me give you some names then. Cameron Burgess now in from Accrington. Um, big... Uh, decent league one centre half, Kyle Edwards, burly defender, mate. Exactly the kind of sort of player you want in this league. Whether he would take the step up to the championship, you don't really know. But I think a good signing. Um, Kyle Edwards, who 
um, had a very, very good debut and is pretty highly rated. And Tom Carroll, who's a fine technical player, but never seems to manage to put a whole season together where, where he's been. But another three in and um, yes, lots more talk of gelling, uh, let's just say. Talk to me about Kyle Edwards and Tom Carroll. Right, so Kyle Edwards, I think, is one of those players that if... Do you know that way certain players, especially flair players, if they find a situation that just works for them... By the way, can I just um, go on a slight tangent and apologise for the light in here? Um, so, oh, uh, someone was very of, new for of, that, actually. Of... Hang on, let me just stick that up. Uh, keep talking. Um... Yeah, at mercy of the travel lodge anyway. But yeah, for <laughs> Kyle Edwards, I think, the, I think the thing is with flair players, if they find a situation that works for them, a manager that believes in them, a system that can get the best out of them, uh, I'm not in my own home, so I've not invested in a new lampshade, I can't <laughs> add. Um, but yeah, if Kyle Edwards finds that he fits at Ipswich, he feels that there's belief in him, then I think he can he can be a player that's that's definitely effective in, in a, a team in League One. Tom Carroll is an interesting one. So it's almost kind of, uh, there's obviously some money's changed hands for, for, for Andre Dizel, but um, sort of one going out to QPR, one coming the other way. Tom Carroll, I mean, there's a reason he came through the Spurs Academy. There's a gifted footballer there, but it's about making sure that that you can get the most out of a player like that. Now, I think given the level of technical ability that he's got, the imagination he can show on the ball, I think with sort of the departure of Flynn Downs, I think this is a player that can can maybe provide some of, some of what's gone missing there. And I think in League One, again, seems a really good player for League One. But there's a big danger for Ipswich, right? Now, I coming into the season had the belief that because of who you've got as a manager, that it was just, he was going to eventually knit it together. And I still have the belief that I think automatic promotion is, is definitely possible. And I would be very, very surprised if you didn't finish in the top six, right? But the big danger for Ipswich is being that team that goes all League One Galacticos and it just doesn't work, you know? And then you end up getting rid of the manager. You've got loads of players that feel disenfranchised and you just end up with this bloated squad that you've invested some sort of resource in. And that is the big danger for Ipswich. But it's still early days. I don't think there's any need to panic. And that is the start of the season. <laughs> the, the heavyweights Not here. Good. Not good at no, not good at all. Uh, so look, a two-two draw with um, Morecambe, who were who were decent actually. Um, Two-one. Yeah, but they should, of... they should they shouldn't be right. So so let let's look at that and and say right. So why are Ipswich not taking the three points in a game like that? Oh, I mean, oh that, well, that... that's blindingly obvious that Morecambe have a pattern of play and got promoted last season, and Ipswich have sixteen new players. And frankly, Morecambe's pattern of play and um, kind of feeling around the club is better than. Better than Ipswich. Let me just wrap, wrap up these um, other yeah, two sorry. games and you come back in, Hodge. Um, Burton, where Ipswich um, got it back to 1-1, then missed a penalty and then conceded a penalty at the end, of course. Um, and then Cheltenham, that was... Um, I, I assume many people have played this game on Football Manager where you completely dominate the first half <laughs> and the entire world knows um, of Tozer of Cheltenham, who has the longest throw-in in football and not one but two times um up comes the tripwire and um we kind of had a chat on blue monday about this the other night hodge um about in the first two games it was all very much 
give them time, wait for it to gel. Now it's give them time, wait for it to gel, but those results are terrible. And if you go yeah. another four games, it's going to be, no, those results are terrible. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's we're very much in two things can be true camp. They need time, but those results are crap, aren't they? It's the standard of the opposition. Uh, uh, buttons are kind of, I mean, my favourite tweet I saw on, on Ipswich's struggles to start the season is uh, they've only just gone and lost to, to a menswear retailer. I thought that was quite funny. But um, yeah, I mean, Burton are a good outfit. I think Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank has absolutely transformed um, the, the number of clean sheets they're keeping, as as was the case in his first stint at the club, is quite remarkable. And I think Burton really, really showed what they're about. I, I was commentating in the game with uh, with Sunderland the other night, and and they were really, really strong. I, I mean, they, they rode their luck at times in that game, but that's a proper laying down a marker that they're challenging this season. And in a, in a league that's full of big teams with bigger resource pools than Burton have got, I think Burton are going to be real challengers for for, for, for definitely the playoffs and, and maybe even more than that, depending on how much consistency they can 100% achieve. 100% at the moment, Burton and Pompey are... Uh, first and second on nine points, so they've they've picked up where they left off. And let's let's be fair, they've got out of this division before, but haven't they? They have, and the last time they won their first three games of the season was when they won the League Two title. I think it was twenty fourteen. So I mean that sh- that shows you that they've they've started about their business the the way that I'm sure they intend to go on. And do you know what? It sums up the beauty of the league pyramid. It sums up the beauty of the League One this season that you get two. Two totally different stories there. Burton, a team that that properly rose up beyond where they should have been when they were in the championship and and could get back there and, and properly show what they're about at that level, you know. And then you've got Pompey, who have won trophies in, in this century and I'm talking sort of domestic cups and and a proper, you would say, probably a bit below their station playing in League One. So I think... That just sums up and encapsulates, to be honest, the challenge that Ipswich face getting out of this division, no matter how many sort of resources think, and pounds are poured into this. I think um, on the Daily Departed show with Nappers, I think there's eight ex-Premier League teams in League One this season or something absolutely wow. ludicrous like that, which is incredible. Let me pop some comments up. Um, Nat, who's a Wednesday fan, asking about Matt Penny. Um, he played left back, um, Nat. He actually scored the other night, but... Um, another one that Hodge and I haven't talked about. They've signed Hayden Coulson as well from uh, Borough, <laughs> who looks like there's just so many players been signed. Looks like he'll go um, in ahead of him. Uh, Cameron, uh, I think it would take a while to gel at Hampton Norris, losing 4 0 to Mill. A lot of painful results. Um, finding those players who we signed won't be good enough finding your style. Agree with that. Um, Adrian, oh, nice to see Alan Shearer in the pitch there. Uh, Tom Carroll to <laughs> Boss League One. The interesting one with Tom Carroll as well, um, Hodge, is that he's got Lee Evans and Rakeem Harper and he always plays 4-2-3-1. He likes the physical number 10. So it's almost like there's three players for two positions there, isn't there? Yeah, granted. Uh, Rakeem Harper, I think, is I, I just it's a surprising step for, for, for that young player to take, to, to step down, I, I thought. And uh, I was... I, I just thought... sold the in, Mark Ashton dream. <laughs> But for Ipswich Town, what about recruitment that is? Lee Evans is going to be a mainstay, I would think, because... He's been made captain, yeah. Yeah, and, and Paul Cook obviously really trusts him. So I think 
to be honest, you, you probably get two players for one position there because it's going to take like a real sort of dramatically poor run of form for Lee Evans or a suspension or something for him to go out the team. And uh, yeah, I don't know if Paul Cook, and, and I think this is going to be the challenge for Paul Cook because he's often been a manager that has overperformed with fewer resources, whereas now he's actually been given sort of he was an big favourite. Big favourite of Pompey, wasn't he? But I agree with you with Wigan and Chesterfield. I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, and I, I think the, the, the key the key thing for him is going to be to find out the best way to put the, some of these parts together. So whether that's going to be him maybe departing from the, the, the system that he believes in in order to get the best out of the players that he's got at his disposal, or... And we're going to talk when, about the Norwich manager doing that probably in about 20 minutes, that little tweak from what you're used to to something different, right? That's massive, mate. I'll look forward yeah. to coming on to that. But yeah, I mean, Ipswich are a, a really interesting one at the moment. I, I just, I think even at this early stage in the season, I think you're right when you said you're a few games away from this being proper, right, we're really playing catch-up now, you know? And that's the, the real danger for Ipswich here because you don't want to put yourself behind the eight ball, especially when it's been such a positive summer with... Wow, lovely donation there. Um, such a positive summer in terms of the amount of people that are have been brought in, you know. And that positivity around the club, it's very, very fickle in football. So quite quickly that can turn to, why is this not working, you know? And maybe questions about the manager, questions about the signings, questions about all sorts of things. When, to be honest, Ipswich should be on the cusp of something really positive this season. And I think if you lose, if you lose two of the next three games, even if you pick up a win in them, then you're looking at got, it. And you're going. Got MK next. MK, good. And I'm they, commentating that, by the way. The oh, weekend. excellent! If, if you're watching the I follow highlights, anyone, uh, then uh, you'll hear a Scottish voice, and I'll be all broadcast voiced up as I do when I'm commentating to make sure that people understand me. Anyone that's struggling to understand me tonight. I hope you understand the I follow highlights. So um, let's just say thanks to Rod. Uh, I think they must be Aussie dollars, are they? Twenty-five dollars. Congrats to you and your new family, Ben. Hope your um, missus and your good self are getting some sleep. We are, Rod. Thank you. That's very, very kind. But only about the stupid thing is you you're supposed to do a feed every two hours, and then we faff about for about twenty minutes after the feed. And then it becomes an hour and a half. And then you kind of wake up. Yeah. And yeah, you get no sleep. Um, <laughs> classic stuff. Um, Jake, uh, looking forward to the imps coming up against him. I bet you are, Jake. Um, I think we're going to have two very, very well contested games. And um, we saw under Paul Lambert last year, a badly coached team in Ipswich against the well-coached team in Lincoln. And yeah, Lincoln were much, they were much better under um, Appleton. Uh, Brian, um, I'm not Paul Cook. Uh, but from what I know of him locally, um, will allow a Galacticus um, attitude persist. However, I assume he means will not allow a Galacticus attitude. Uh, by the way, can I just say, persist. so much effort putting the accent on the A in the comment. I, I've got a lot of time for that. I, re I reckon that spell checked on his phone, didn't it? I, I reckon ah, that did maybe. it for him. Um, Brian, you can correct us if you're wrong. Um, Adrian, are Ipswich completely done with signings? Now, I think they are, um, from what I've heard kind of anecdotally, that's that. But you, <laughs> you the way it's been going, you wouldn't have another four covered on loan or something ridiculously in, um, in yeah, well, um, Paul, January. Paul, 
Paul Cook was actually talking about that um, to the, the the local press. He was, or well, in his press conference, then they could have picked it up. But his kind of thing was, you never say never, but he, I don't think he's expecting stuff because it's quite close to the end now. But he didn't rule anything out. So uh, what I'm wondering, we, we kind of talked about this before, how many of the signings are Paul Cook driven? Clearly Lee Evans, for example, is one driven by him. And how many are driven by the rest of the power know. structure at the club? Because yeah, it's a danger. Well, well so Paul Cook was really kind of, um, what's the word? Not not bolshy, but very, oh, wait and see, wait and see. So it does feel very much like Paul Cook um, knew Mark Ashton would come and knew that they would be working together. And, you know, that was essentially what he signed up for because he seemingly signed up for something that was going to happen uh, somewhere down the line. And then you hear the rumours about um, Paul Cook and the Bristol City job previously. And hmm. some of that then kind of doesn't add up when you put two and two together True and that. make 100. It's a really good question. I mean, you look at some of them and, yeah, they're obvious when you see the links with, um, you know, Connor Chapman, for example, who played for him at Pompey. Another um, brilliant signing, by the way. <laughs> I know. Um, and that that's the thing. George Edmondson um, wasn't on the pitch at... Burton and uh, Connor Chapman didn't play in the in the last game. I'm losing I'm losing count of it all ridiculously. <laughs> but no, I'm interested to know that. Um, hopefully, it's a sort of hybrid approach, and they're both um, they're both having a bash at um, bringing the names in. What I wanted to talk to you about is winning mentality and psychology, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's kind of where I am with it now. Because um, what happened the previous couple of seasons in League One with Ipswich was that in the first months of the season, the size and the squad mm-hmm. got Ipswich to win tight games and they were kind of up high in the league. Um, and then when the well-coached team started to move forward, Ipswich were not well-coached, we all saw them, uh, they, would then, they would then drop off. And that lack of A, coaching pattern of play, and B, within the club, you, you know, just frankly... 10, 15 years of losing mentality um, kind of did for them, I I think. I'm just wondering, I, I think, I don't know what you think, I think it takes an entire good season, i.e., you know, even a losing playoff semi-final, just to start winning, win more games than you lose. Do you know what I mean? And it feels like they've got to pick up that winning mentality in the club that hasn't been there since I think 2003, got- 4, 5, basically. I think if you've got a lot of the same players, then yeah, I kind of agree with you. So if you maybe add, say, three or four key signings that, that help to turn that around, then I do think it maybe takes a season. But when you are throwing so many different players into the mix, new players in a new space, new manager, all of that kind of stuff, I don't think those rules of engagement apply particularly as much because I think it's a fresh start for everyone. But that's that's why this early season malaise for Ipswich is something that really needs to be be monitored because that can quickly turn to endemic sort of failure seeping back in and that that kind of losing mentality that you speak seeping of. Seeping back in? It's never well, gone no, no, away, no, no, it? But, Yeah, well, but what I mean is with these new players, it's like that that freshness that they could potentially approach this with, that quickly gets obliterated. If you don't win if you go and only win maybe one of your next three or four games, then 
you're you're right up against it for the entire season then, and you need to go on. An yeah, you've got to go like two point two point one points per game for the entire rest of the season. Like a, a Daniel kind of Farka eighteen nineteen exactly. Yeah, exactly. You've got to be like a hundred point um, season over, you know, or averaging out of what a hundred point season would be. Um, can, can I, I can I pick up on a, a comment that, that's been mentioned? It's Adrian's one about the strikers. He's, yeah, he's I was going to click that up actually. And um, can I just say before you come in on that, um, I'm interested in the two he's put last because he's probably got it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right because I mean all of the rest of them have been brought in with this season in mind. So what how, how do you feel about Jackson and Norwood? Because I think. Both of them are, are pretty decent League One players, right? Yeah. Let, let me go. Let me go through what I will say. Um, Adrian makes a good point. He's put, you know, he's put six strikers up, and we've just mentioned Paul Cook plays four two three one. So yes, that's that's bloated. Um, look, Barry won't play as a striker. He'll play either either wing. Um, so will Chaplin. So you can take two of them out. You've then got Piggott, who essentially is the kind of number nine guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, bon, who played um, number 10 the other night. What um, about that mess, by the way? That needs to get a mention. Him. That's poor, not, poor guy. He's done, That's... he's done an Instagram post today. I think I think he's basically been sat in a dark room for the last three days, poor fella. But um, yeah, he wasn't getting it. The stupid cool. thing is he scored in, the, scored in the game against Morecambe, didn't he? But yeah, um, yeah so... It's not as crowded as it looks. I do think uh, it's Piggott or Bond rather than both, unless he changes. But now on Jackson and Norwood, um, Norwood, I think, has struggled with the step up from being scoring loads of goals from Tranmere in the National League and League Two. two. And, you know, I know Ipswich have been not very good um, for the longest time, but there, there's a step up there where you can... Um, uh, carry yourself in a certain way in the lower leagues and still banging the goals, and then things change a little bit. And I think that's taken a bit of time for him. And I, I think he might even run out. And yeah, Jackson, that's just been a just been a disaster, hasn't it? Because we think that was possibly over two million pounds that um, that Ooh. signing by Paul Hurst after Waghorn. Um, after Waghorn, steep, man. oh, that's ridiculous. Oh, Accrington. Have pulled Ipswich's pants down um, on him and uh, Janoy Danassian as well. So, um, yeah, um, Annie has asked about Ipswich's best front three. Um, I, I mean, it won't so much function as a front three, but I know what he means, and I don't have a clue who it is. On paper, at League One level, it should be Piggott, uh, Fraser, and then Chaplin inverted on the other side. But let's be honest, it's whoever whoever gels. Um, whoever gels quickest and they've almost got two for each position up there, which could start to feel like um, too many. Mm. I, I don't think you're wrong necessarily, mate. I, I think the key thing, and I don't think it's just one area of the team. I think what episode, and by the way, I'm just thinking with Burgess coming in left-sided defender, and then you've got Edmondson, who's the same. Edmondson. I mean, there's, the, the, there's so much quality and, and strength and depth across that squad. So I, I think the key thing for Paul Cook is it's, un, <laughs> it's underestimated, I think, in the modern game because there's so much talk of squad rotation and all of that stuff. And don't get me wrong, you do need to have depth, you do need to have balance in a squad. But 
my, my key thing on it is he's got to actually have in his head a clearer picture sooner enough about who his best 11 or maybe 15 are, you know? And and at the moment, you've got a big bloated squad and it feels like it's still a kind of feeling out process, you know? And I think that's the problem with doing some of the recruitment a bit later in the window as well, because so many early season games and for different reasons, Norwich's first few games feel a bit like the end of pre-season for totally different reasons. But for Ipswich, it's kind of the same as well, but it's more to do with so many new bodies and still feeling their way in terms of playing together. And I think that is the, the challenge. And it's something a bit different for Paul Cook to deal with. But he is a good manager. And I think over the course, as the old marathon, not a sprint, comes in, I, th- I expect them to get a good enough tune out of this team for them to finish top six at the very least. I just wanted to pick up on MM's comment there because I kind of like it because it can go two ways. Um, this idea of loads of big teams in there and um, if you start to get behind now, you might be struggling. Yes, potentially, if you get, um, what was the year? It would be 17-18 with Paul Cook, Wigan and Blackburn, both with like 95 points. Or something ridiculous. What you could get, though, is you could get six teams all finishing above 75 points, for example, and no one getting above 85 points because all of those six teams have to play each other and no one beats everybody. So you could get one of those crowded ones at the top where, I don't know, whoever scores 20 points from the last 10 games goes through from sixth to first. So it could work out both ways. Honestly, given the start Ipswich have made, I'm kind of hoping it's like that and no one is going to go ahead and score 90 points. And I'm, I'm not being funny, and I include Ipswich in this, you can see any of those big teams still going on a sticky run and losing to the other kind of big teams, can't you? It's the beauty of this league, mate. It's the beauty of the English football pyramid. I can see why you've made it your your chosen vocation to, to cover it because <laughs> it's it's just full of narrative, full of stories all the time. And one of the things about being a Norwich fan, that about going to the Premier League, even though it's the, the sort of eventual goal is, I mean, it's the bit of the pyramid... That, that where it's kind of detached from the rest of it, whereas the rest of the English Football League pyramid throws up these stories all the time. It's the reason that Burton Albions can, can go and beat the Newcastles of the world, you know? And that, that's what I love about it. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it's teams like Morecambe. It's the pluckier teams that can get results. So you're talking about the big teams sort of playing each other. Those... Fixtures are obviously sort of six pointers, whatever. They're, they're vital in terms of the course of the season. But I look at the likes of that Morecambe game for Ipswich, and granted it's early in the campaign, but if it was a bit later on, you'd be saying that's the kind of game that you don't need to play well, but you need to scrape some just sort win. of just yeah, win, just, get the, yeah. just get the three points. Get the three points. Get them on the board. Carry on a bit of momentum. Momentum's massive. That's what I was talking about, psychology. Um, you've, you've kind of called it momentum. But do you know what I mean? When you turn up at games, and um, we'll come on to your lot in a minute, but your lot <laughs> your in the lot. championship, they have that mentality. They turn up, puff the chest out, and in, in away games in November or whatever, they win. Do you know what I mean? They win them. And that's what I want to see Bill at. Do, do you know what I'd love to see, Hodge? I'd love to see mm. Ipswich turn up somewhere, play absolutely crap and win. And that'd be the fourth win in a row or <laughs> something like that. Obviously, with some evidence that they've been um, playing um, playing well at some point. But those, well. are the games, I mean? those are the games that yield sort of 
results at the end of a season. You know, it's those kind of games that are vital to that. I always reference last season for Norwich City, the period when the, there was sort of 11 first-team players out injured and the likes of Jacob Sorensen was stepping up and, and starring at left-back. That was the period that won Norwich the league. You know, and Ipswich need to try and get it together so that they can start grinding out some of these results. If they can start by getting results, then the playing style can come later. Well, do you know the interesting thing is there's a good tweet went out today. And look, I would say this, maybe I'm not leaving my bias at the door slightly here, but some of the underlying numbers do predict that it can trend in, in the right way. They're not conceding many chances and they're conceding a lot of goals. So that's the that's the quick fix. If Are you expected goalsing me? Ben? Flying in it. I I no. Do you know what? I'm expected goals againsting you, which is not even <laughs> which is not even expected goals, is it? I think it's um I think it's the actual chance creation and whatnot. No, but uh, you know you can. Get, I I always do a mix of the eye test and 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 the numbers, and you can you can kind of see something that's and particularly that first half the other night. Uh, um, at Cheltenham. The only way Cheltenham were going to win that game is exactly how they did. Ipswich miss a couple of massive chances before half time. Um, it gets a bit sticky in the second half. Build up, get those long throws into the box, and you know that was the that was the only way Ipswich were going to lose that game. And they fell over the tripwire again. Well, it's listen, and that's that's your League One, and do you know, right? So obviously, every state, step of the pyramid's got its own kind of idiosyncrasies. League One's got loads of those types of games where you've got the team with the more quality, right? And while they're on top, they have to absolutely capitalise on it because it's those sticky moments, it's the likes of those long throws and the break of the ball and stuff like that that can can decide the outcome of and matches. And defenders make mistakes in League One. You get chances, don't you? You do, and you've got to take advantage of them when you get them. Can I pick up on a wee thread from the comments that I thought was really interesting? Yeah, go ahead. And it was um, it was Josh and Smokey Joe were having a bit of an exchange about the fact that Paul Cook has not been has not got his, his sort of most trusted lieutenants with him. So you've got Liam Richardson, who's now the Wigan manager, and Anthony Barry, uh, the first-team coach who has, has worked under him at various clubs. He's now with, with Chelsea in Ireland. So that's... I'm reminded of a couple of things here. So first off, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference Martin O'Neill and his very successful period at Celtic. He had two key men that were part of that journey with him. John Robertson, his assistant. Oh, and he Steve was a player, Wal wasn't he? Oh, brilliant player. Yeah, yeah. And then Steve, Steve Walford as well, who was the, the, the kind of key first team coach. And he was vital to Martin O'Neill's managerial identity. Paul Lambert, the difference between Paul Lambert at Norwich and Paul Lambert at Ipswich, right? I think it boils down fairly simply to the fact that Ian Culverhouse is no longer his assistant. Because Ian Culverhouse was absolutely vital to the He was the there dynamic. at Phil, wasn't he? He was there at Villa, but that was the last job that he did together with Lambert. But so, they didn't do any good at Villa, did they? Mm, they did all right at Villa. It You're wasn't right, but yeah, they did all right. No, but from, yeah. look at Paul Lambert's career since. Since it's been an awful. absolute yeah. nosedive, and that's awful, because he yeah. doesn't have his most trusted lieutenant with him. Now, if I, you look can, at, can I push back? On, I don't subscribe to the theory that there's only. Um, it's it's like finding your soulmate, isn't it? That there's only one person you can you can that's work. That's not with. what I'm saying, though. That that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that certain managerial dynamics, whether it's a duo or a trio or whatever, just seem to have that ability to work together and meld together. It's like it's like a good front two. It's like Sutton and Shearer, right? 
sometimes players' games just dovetail, and it might not necessarily be the most natural combination. And of course, you can find other people that you can work with. But if you've had someone with whom you've had success at various clubs, then it's key that that works. But lots of managers, once their key first team coach or their key assistant or any sort of combination of that, once they lose a certain person, sometimes it can have a really detrimental effect on their ability to manage as a whole. Because sometimes you're not just getting a manager, you're getting a coaching package in terms of who the manager comes with. Now, what will be interesting for me is I think this will be very indicative of the future that Paul Cook has as a league manager, as how he does at Ipswich without these key people that he's relied upon in the past. And I'll be very interested to see if that is a factor in whether he's successful or not at Ipswich, because he definitely has the resources to go do, do a good job here. And um, I think this is going to be very instructive about, about his future. It's a tricky one, isn't it? I, I uh, you know, I, I don't want to disrespect the theory, but it's a, it's an easy one to um, to put out, isn't it? Uh, with the assistance and whatnot, it's impossible to prove or disprove. I can make another five arguments about. I why... think Paul Lambert, Paul Lambert's a perfect case to prove that theory. But then I can turn around and just say, lightning in a bottle, momentum, right place, right man, right place, right club. Right time, got results going, whooshed up the league, away he goes. And I'll, I'll give you so I'll give you an and example. And what has Ian Coulthouse done in his career since? What, where's Kings Lynn? Yeah, well, I, but he's done a good job for Kings Lynn. No, he's a Kings got... Lynn. Come on. Right. Okay. That's a bit disrespectful to Lord Down know, the Parent. But, 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 but yeah, no, no, no. Right, if right, he's okay. the world's greatest assistant manager who made Paul Lambert good, why has so, he only got as far as Kings Lynn? Right, okay. I'm not I'm gonna leave that because I don't think I think that's a moot point. So just on your point though, <laughs> I think I think the thing that you said about times and places is really important as well. I think so Chris give... Wilder, Sheffield United, that's a good example. Lightning in a bottle, perfect guy, perfect time. Sorry, go ahead, go on. Exactly, but look at the look at who he had around him. You know what I mean? The overlapping centre halves, that wasn't his brainchild. He was relying on his coaching team for that. So that that that's a that's a good example of again the coaching philosophy coming as a package. But on your point about times and places, there's also one of the keys in it is if you are working with someone for a certain length of time and it works, see knowing when to change that person or change who's round about you can be sometimes the barometer of whether you're successful over a long period of time. Alex Ferguson absolutely nailed it. Every change he he made, whether it was Brian Kidd, whether it was Steve McLaren, whether it was Carlos Queiroz, he was always bringing in someone that had new ideas and new energy, and he did it. Re- he did it regularly enough that the players that were there over the course of the decades, so your your Giggsies, Scoggsies, Nevilles, whatever, they were getting enough new energy, new ideas at regular enough intervals to keep it interesting for them. Yet, it w- so it wasn't becoming stale, but at the same time, he was still keeping those people in situation for long enough that the ideas actually transmitted over a length of time and allowed them to build that sort of running success which Manchester United had under Ferguson. So I think the idiosyncrasies of coaching packages and dynamics between manager and the rest of the staff, I think it's a fascinating area of football that doesn't get enough coverage. Agreed, agreed. And we can discuss it until um, until the cows come home, but it's one of those parallel universe questions where you'll never prove or disprove it because... Um, they did go apart and you'll never see the reality with 
Liam Richardson or with Ian Culverhouse or with um, I don't know Steve McLaren staying. Um, but it's a fun it's a fun discussion, isn't it? Um, right, uh, we are going to move across to there you go, Clough without Taylor. We're we're bringing up the big names here, Ferguson and maybe Ferguson and Cluffy aren't the best to make comparisons with our workday (laughs) league one managers. No offence to uh, Paul Cook or a lot very much. Uh, Right, let's get on to Norwich because we've run over a little bit on um, Ipswich. Can Uh, I just Ipswich are at home tonight, so I'm like, uh, I'm happy to be respectful enough, and I think. I think there's lots of interest to talk. I mean, about both clubs, but about Ipswich especially. It just feels like a really fascinating time right now. Yeah, except when you're showing up to Cheltenham and losing. I've got different words other than fascinating for that, but there we go. Um, let me just do a quick plug. Um, where are we going with this? Uh, give us both a follow on social media. We're live on Twitter down my um, down my channel at the moment. Go and follow uh, Hodge on there and we'll plug his YouTube because if you want to see the next show in this series it'll be over on um, his YouTube channel thank you to, uh, we had a big one from Rod didn't we, thank you for support via Super Chat Super Stickers, right I've got a big favour here because I'm really close to 19,000 <laughs> subscribers so mm. if anyone hasn't subscribed look at that, 18,996 there must be four people in the stream who haven't subscribed, get it up I- to 19,000 on me, but poor little me. I've obviously been doing this a lot less time than you. I'm nearing a thousand. I'm about fifty away from a thousand. So go and subscribe at, at Hodgie the Hack on Twitter and YouTube.com/slash Hodgie the Hack. H O D G E Y the Hack. All one word. Right? Can we stop talking about Ipswich now? It's too depressing. Right? Let's talk about <laughs> Norwich. So last time we spoke, they hadn't signed Sergeant, and they were just about to sign. Jollis, um, and they hadn't played a Premier League game yet. So talk to me about the. I know you've gone heaven and earth on with your um, with the Cypriot fella. So I'm more interested. Um, Greek fella, sorry. I'm more interested <laughs> in hearing about Sergeant. Actually, talk to me about the um, the signings in. So first thing, I mean, I've obviously mentioned my channel. I've done podcasts with journalists that know a lot more than me about these two players, and that's been quite a lot of the coverage that I've. Uh, that I've been providing this summer is is letting Norwich City fans and anyone who's interested in Norwich City's affairs about the new signings that we have got. Um, I always love it when you sort of go and pronounce the name and I always make a big thing about getting the pronunciation right, Ben, and I love that discrepancy that we've got. So Cholis is um, a potential, just quickly on him, a potential wonder kid. Really Did you excited wish me a happy birthday in Greek? No, but I, <laughs> I do know how to say on the ball city. is oh, Panos Tebala City. Um, nice. Okay, I'll give you I, I that one. during the pod. Any Greeks uh, in the chat, please? Smarting this guy up on his Greek pronunciation. Sorry, go on, Hodge. You've hit your 19,000, mate. Well uh, done. Excellent. Someone will unsubscribe now, won't they? <laughs> oh, mate, I, oh, that, that, that's a definite. Now, on Sergeant, so I sounded out, I know a few people that cover the Bundesliga regularly, and the first thing that I sort of asked is, right, this guy doesn't score goals. Why is he any good? Why is he an international? <laughs> you know, what, what? what's the deal there? And the key thing is, he's one of those strikers that's great at everything else. So the comparison that was made for me by someone whose opinion I really, really respect is he's like Dirk Kout. So if you if you can think of what Dirk Kout was at, at Liverpool, he was one of those players that would make everybody else better. He's unselfishness and everything else. 
but didn't score enough goals. Otherwise, he would have been in that real bracket of top, top strikers. Um, interesting point from Chris there saying Sargent seems to be a defensive-minded striker designed to come on for Pukie with 10 minutes to go. I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that. And he's also, it's worth mentioning, he's versatile enough to play in the flanks as well. So, especially with Norwich, and, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, Ben, moving to more of a 4-3-3. So rather than the 4-2-3-1 setup, which has been the, the kind of mainstay of Daniel Farker's time at Norwich City, moving to a 4-3-3 this season, which absolutely makes sense because the 4-2-3-1, Norwich City have been controlling possession and in the championship, that's great. Control games, control the ball and win the game by being creative and playing lovely football. Brilliant. In the Premier League, Norwich City will not be able to do that. So I think it makes absolute sense to move to a 4-3-3 system where we focus on hitting teams in the break. And the key to making that successful is making sure that the midfield three and the front three don't become two isolated groups and there's actually some sort of synergy between them. Now, I, I think that move has been sensible and I think a lot of the signings this summer and Norwich City are not done yet, have been with that in mind. And Sargent, I think, will be a very useful foil for some of the other players. And if he can add a few more goals to his game, I expect him to be, be an excellent signing for Norwich City. But what I will say is... Uh, can I just on, chime in? Yeah. How, many games, how many games of the 38 does he, does he sort of start? Because if I've watched Norwich the last few years, Pookie's got so much credit in the bank, doesn't he, that he'd have to literally go 10... 15 without scoring to be dropped, right, wouldn't he? I don't think so. No. I don't think I don't think Daniel Fark is that way minded. I think Daniel Farker's thing is he doesn't change a winning team very often. So very if he true, yeah. if he starts Josh Sargent and Norwich City win a few games, then as long as Norwich City are winning games or playing well, I think Josh Sargent starts. And the other thing I'll say about Temu Puki is I just think he's looking jaded. I just think that guy needs a rest. And it's hard because you're already in the thick of it. But I think with the injury before the Euros, with the Euros themselves, and then right back into the thick of it, we, we're well, not much rest. This was the this was the kind of maddening thing if you were sort of an Ipswich fan watching Norwich. You had Pookie, Aaron's, Buendia, and you're watching, thinking, oh, one of them will miss some games at some point. Never got injured. None of them. They've played probably each played 100 games in the last three seasons, haven't they? That's the thing. And it's just the volume of football. Like, um, it reminds me of the old, uh, I don't know if you're a fan of the, the Mitchell and Webb look, but there was a <laughs> more bloody football um, <laughs> yeah. sketch that they did. And like that, that's just what it feels like. A lot that was a very time. disrespectful English accent there, Hodge. It was not. It was a rubbish <laughs> David Mitchell impression. Um, I'm being asked if I think Norwich City will start Sargent on Saturday. I don't think so, but I might. Uh, and the, the the 4-3-3 system, yeah, against Liverpool, it wasn't necessarily that efficacious, but I think... Efficacious? Oh, what are you doing? Uh, like jazzing up the word defective. <laughs> um I know I don't think it was that effective, but I think what will happen is in in games against lesser opposition than Liverpool, and once we're up to sort of full match fitness and sharpness, then that's going to make that that that's going to make a difference. I think we'll stay up, and I think we'll stay up because of four three three. Can I go. make 
Can I make some observations about the Liverpool game? Which, to be fair, I didn't. I, you know, we kind of got a game on, and you know, if something happens, you look across. I, I was kind of paying attention to it, but I wasn't paying attention <laughs> to it. If you know, what I mean, I'm quite distracted at the moment. Uh, let me make a few comments. Um, I thought the left back Janulis looked mm-hmm. pretty good fun. Actually, I thought um, he started. Mister No well. Breaks, mate. Mister No Breaks. He was. Yeah, um, right. Aye, I thought he was really good. He's really energetic, and what I said coming into the season, and I would I would stick by this, is he's a player that is going to be better in the Premier League. I think. I think he's still no, those made players do. League I know what football. you mean. Those players do exist. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I thought um Campwell looked nice and confident, which was cool. Um, I yep. thought Rasichka or how you pronounce it looked looked a little bit nervous and didn't really kind of. Um, True, but he showed flashes, didn't he? Didn't I really... think Rashid Sutt showed that he is going to be... I think he's Premier League quality. I think that was ripping out of his performance. I think it's a, a new situation, obviously, a big game to start. Rashid Sutt, is, he really impressed me. I don't think he was consistent over the course of his time on the field, but I think he showed enough for me to know that he's going to be a vital part of our armoury this season. And you're right about Todd. I think the added responsibility that he's getting now, he just seems to be taking it in straight and it's wonderful no, it's very for a good. homegrown it's, talent yeah very good um so a couple of things that worried me um mm-hmm. one when pookie went through I, I kind of um thought i know it's a difficult angle I, I thought if that was against coventry in the championship he would have lashed that in the corner wouldn't he and scored um i know that's a kind of silly analogy but you know what i'm saying um the, the biggest problem i had with it was that i didn't think Norwich were all that bad. And mm-hmm. I didn't think Liverpool were like proper clock ridiculous. And if I were a Norwich fan, I'd be a little bit concerned that it's ended ended 3-0. Do you know what I mean? You don't want that, oh, team comes to Carrow Road, keeps a clean sheet, wins three points, bye-bye everyone. You don't want that to be um, starting, to, starting to roll. And I, I think you guys have been a bit unlucky with, you said this last time, those fixtures at the start of the season and it's being yeah. resilient in the face of probably probably naught points after three or four games, isn't it? I've done a bit of a flip on that because I think how behind we are in preparation due to COVID and, and the various things that happened during pre-season, I kind of think that getting these games where we're not expected to get anything out of the way might actually be good because by the time we get to the more winnable Concentrate games, on the league! <laughs> the <laughs> the old, t- Losing in the cup thing, isn't it? Concentrate on the league now. There you go. Got that out of the way. No, granted, but I, I do think it might end up sort of playing into our favour. So that 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 that's one element of that that I think is worth considering. I think the just on, on Pookie, I just think he's tired, mate. I, I just think it's as simple as that. The the Liverpool game, Daniel Farker said after it that, funnily enough, despite the the, the defeat and the and the goals margin of the defeat he felt more confident after watching that game about our chances this season. And I was exactly the same because I think you can read too much into a result sometimes. And I definitely am not sort of prone to doing that, especially not one single result against a team like Liverpool. Can I put, so, Hodgie, can I just put Lee's point out? Because it's such a good point. That's a Blades fan as well. What I learned in the Premier League, these teams are not outrageous for 90 minutes, um, but they can just beat you in five minutes, can't they? Someone like, Someone like Salah or... To be fair, I thought that first goal was quite lucky, actually. I think... Um, it was the I break of the fin- ball. 
But then the finish was well good, wasn't it? He just snapped it in really early. The third goal was really decent, wasn't it? Can I? We're on Billy Gilmore watch here. He has got to learn to track and do his defensive running. That was horrible, that second goal, letting Firmino go. I know, I know um, we're going back and forth on Billy Gilmore, but that he, he needs to... That was a brutal lesson, wasn't it? Do you know what? Speaking to the, the people at the club in terms of when they brought him in, the, the area of the game that he, they thought he needed to work on was against the ball, was, was what I was told. So essentially when defending or when the opposition have possession... I would wholeheartedly agree with that because when he's got the ball, he can do magical things. I think I think the most ideal use of Billy Gilmer's talents for Norwich City this year will be at the side of the number six rather than being the number six. So I think what Gilmer's been brought in to do is to be able to provide that killer pass that we lost with Emi Buendia. I think what Norwich have done is they've basically replaced Buendia by committee by getting various players that can do various different aspects that's of what Emi Buendia... That's argument at Villa, isn't it? With Greenwich. Yeah. yeah. Well, th- th- that's it. But, like, sort of a step further down, if you like, um, that's that, that's what we are, what we've tried to do, I think. Now, with Billy Gilmer, I, I think moving him to the side will, will free him up and I, agree. I know that I agree. First thing we've agreed about on Gilmore, isn't it? That <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope I hope there's not any more because I enjoy the argument. Uh, <laughs> on on the number six, we're going to go for a number six. A few people are asking about signings. I know that t- getting cover at full back, especially left back, I was is definitely ask you that. A bonus. Yeah, because we mentioned the United lad um, Williams, and yeah. I was I. Do you know what? When I saw. Janulis kind of do a couple of decent plays in that first 15 minutes. I thought back to our conversation. I thought, do they do they need him? What's the, what's the deal here? You need cover. You need, you need cover, simply put. If Max Ahrens or Janulis goes down with Williams, you have a Premier League quality player that can cover either fullback position. So I think, without doubt, that would be a no-brainer for, for Norwich City, especially given that Ollie Skip's going to play for Spurs this year. So that one's dead. Yes. So, you might as well. One against Manchester City. That was bad news for you guys, wasn't it? <laughs> but I think um, I, I think we skip. Uh, fair play to him. But again, the fact that he's gone to Spurs and will now be a first team player this season, it just makes Norwich City's argument on, on before them because what they can say to these big teams is, "Give us a young talent, we'll make them better and make them first team ready." Hopefully, it comes with Billy Gilmore. Williams, I think, will be brought in as cover, but if something happens and he comes in the team and Norwich City are winning while he's in the team, he'll stay in the team. So that that's the key thing. And I am quite excited to see the, the rest of the business that Norwich will do. So Williams uh, looks like the most likely target for, for, for the cover at fullback. I think a centre-half is still on the agenda. I think a defensive midfielder is still on the agenda as well. Williams, I think, will be next. Then... Uh, then probably a number six, and then probably a centre half. Would you still? And I'm I'm not stirring now. There's then... Kings Lynn Town, by the way, that you were disparaging. <laughs> I was not disparaging Kings Lynn Town. What a wonderful place! Really lovely drive to um, Kings. A horrible drive, isn't it? Right all the way past <laughs> Norwich. Um, look, Norwich could feasibly have zero points after Liverpool, Manchester City. You've got some really horrible games to begin with. But then you've um, got Arsenal, man. Leicester. Arsenal. And then you'd, you'd, you'd look at the... But then Arsenal at Carrow Road, I would think, right, Norwich, have a go at them. I think it's a bit different um, away. And then you look at 
sort of Watford and Burnley and Brighton within three games. Would you be kind of happy if um, if they could get, say, seven points from the Watford, um, Burnley and Brighton games? And Because it might be a slow burner, mightn't it, to, to begin with? And it's that resilience we talked about, isn't it? The order is really annoying. Because you yeah, don't want doesn't want, feel, doesn't, doesn't don't feel helpful at all, does it? Run. You don't want the Watford game after that run. You want the Burnley game after that run. Because Burnley's one where it's like, you don't look at it and say, oh, it's the team we came up with, right? Whereas Watford is the team we came up with, who obviously have a lot more money to spend than us, as you've seen by uh, some of the business that they're doing. So you look at it. I mean, they bought the lad from Fenerbahce, did they not, uh, today? Um, oh my god, I haven't been following. name escapes um, me. One of the Turkey stars for the Euros, and probably look- salary wise, yes, but transfer fee wise, with if you factor in Gibson and um, who was the other guy, uh, Janoulis, um, but then that's the Watford deal, isn't it? Um, throw a lot at the wall and pay good salary and gamble, and isn't then it? yeah, loan loads of them out. By the way, I uh, had the best Ozan Tufan is that is Ozan right? Tufan right okay yeah. so I had the best goal name that I, I, I think I've ever shouted the other night and it was a player on loan from Watford and I feel this is worthy of an aside and it was Philip Zinkernagel oh he's a player for, he's for a Forest. player he's, he's, he's my kind of player he, he'll he'll kind of drift around the game and not do a lot of tackling and then get a goal and an assist but um, yes. and, and by the way what a goal Right, and <laughs> Drew that uh, one, I, didn't I did say before the game, Zinker Magel, that's a brilliant name. I hope he scores. So no, he's a player, he's it. a player. Yeah, I like him a lot. He did score. I expect him to do well. I mean, Forrest, we, we don't do many other teams in this podcast, but I suppose there's the Chris Hutton factor. Chris Hutton <laughs> always has a life cycle as a manager, and it seems to be getting shorter and shorter. And Forrest, shame, have lost. I like him, shame. Yeah, no, he's a lovely guy, but he's lost the first three games with Forrest. They're playing the usual dross, Chris Hutton football. Um, I expect it to be borrowed time for him, and I'd be very surprised if he's in the market for championship jobs after after this one. Let me ask you a question then, because we're going to be here in a fortnight. Um, you could get heavily... Look, anyone can get heavily beaten by Manchester City, can't, especially after they've just lost an away game. Are you still going to be hyped up in a couple of weeks. I mean, look, let's be fair. You haven't played Cheltenham, Morecambe and Burton and got one point, have you? So um, things could always be worse. <laughs> losing to um, Manchester City and former European champions, Liverpool. But um, you're, you kind of carry yourself in a kind of, um, you know, you're like, you're, you're positive, aren't you? What's it going to take to shape that? If we have no points after the Watford game, it's going to be tough. And yeah. by the way, that's uh that that's an interesting kind of parallel. Obviously, very different objectives in terms of Norwich trying to beat the drop, Ipswich trying to contend for playoffs, promotion, whatever. But you look at that opening period of games, and Ipswich, if they if they get sort of one win, I think they need to win two out of the next three to properly get the season kick started, right? Yeah, and right. That's, yeah, that, that's a that, it's quite early to be saying that, but I think it's true. For Norwich City, uh, and if Ipswich don't do that, if they win just sort of one of the next three or four, then you're looking at it and you're going, right, well, the season then just becomes a miserable game of catch-up. Gets gets, they, clo- gets cloggy, doesn't it? It gets cloggy. Norwich City, 
if they have no points, Neil Poir, Eurovision style, by the end of that Watford game when the final whistle goes, then you look at it and you go, right, that's five games, no points. Where are they coming from? You know, and it's just like that miserable mindset sort of sets in of like, where are we going from here? And for the players as well, it just creates more pressure. If you play with freedom, right? If Norwich City somehow sort of get a win or, or, or like maybe four points even out of these opening four games, which I don't think is completely unfeasible, by the way, but it is probably unlikely. If Norwich City were to do that, see the freedom they go into that Watford game with. Temu Puki runs through and it's like he's just thinking, oh, well, I'm going to score here rather than I need to score here, you know? And I'm not saying that the, the players haven't that exact thought process, but it's a pressure thing. And pressure is created by necessity. And if there's no, a necessity was... to get points, that's what creates the pressure. And if Norwich have that pressure, they're less likely to succeed over the course of the 38-game season. I always talk about the the rising the rising water, and it is so easy to track it against one point per game. And Fulham last year, they they got close and they chased it and chased it. And then you looked at Steve Bruce, Graham Potter, um, Sean Dyche, all just stayed above it. And if they had to go and draw nil nil with each other to stay above one point per game, they were they were perfectly perfectly happy to do it. Do you think? Um, We've not, we've not seen it from Farker because he's been such an attacking manager, hasn't he? Do you think he's got it in him to, you know, go away? And I, I know he's, I was quite funny in his um, press conference when he signed his new contract. He said, oh, well, you know, if you want us to go and start playing long ball or whatever and two up top, you can go and do that with someone else. So he was quite, um, he was quite bullshit about that. But have they got, the, have they got it in them? Because um, I look at Norwich and I see, you know, a team that can play really good football and win a game. Can they... Can they eke out a nil-nil when they need a nil-nil? I don't know. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm not... Especially I, as Jack says, sorry to interrupt, Hodge, last time in the Prem, we couldn't beat the teams around us. And that was hugely problem. And they're very good when they've got the hand, the, the foot on your neck, when they're not in the relegation zone and somebody else is. Sorry, I'm talking over you. Go ahead. No, I don't think you're saying anything wrong. I think the key thing for Norwich, Norwich City aren't going to abandon their identity. I disagree with the point that, that Farker's not cut out for the Premier League. It's too early to judge him. Uh, I know he's had a season there, but he had a season and he was going to war without a gun. By the way, just on that note, I think it's really cool that Norwich City have signed a, a literal gun to, to go to the Premier League <laughs> with this year. But, I thought you were going to tell me they'd signed Mr. Self-Funded um, and a oh, gun as give well. that a rest, man. Come <laughs> on. Just sitting there banging 57, a drum. 57 minutes in and I haven't said it. I was going to say it after like 57 seconds that you'd <laughs> self-funded your Uber home, but I thought, no, that would be grossly, disre <laughs> grossly disrespectful. <laughs> By the way, that shows how much I care about getting here not quite on time is the fact that I bought an Uber because the tube was ridiculous. That was, um, that was over, twi over, <laughs> over 20 quid, no, mate. Over 20 it, quid. Yeah, I'm a tight it. Scotsman. I've got a national frugal <laughs> stereotype to live up to. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but um, you asked me a question and I've actually... Oh, yeah. Eking out results. Not and team, teams around because you're looking at uh, Southampton. Or, I think Brighton will go up a bit higher or Burnley or whoever, you know. I think... What, Watford... Brentford. So I look at the teams that I think could finish below us. I think Brentford could finish below us despite beating Arsenal. I, I think that's just a, I mean, the, the fairy tale opening result. It's a good, it's a good moment, wasn't it? It was a good watch. Lovely moment. And by the way, it's a bit like us with Man City the last time. You can't take that away from them. Great. Now, 
I look at Brentford, I think they can finish below us. I think Crystal Palace, I think that was a baffling appointment. I think it's reminiscent of another Frank De Boer situation, and it's whether they bail out of it quickly enough. I saw so, Palace under Frank De Boer. Ipswich played him in the Carabao Cup. And mm-hmm. I saw Ipswich win under Paul Hurst. How many people in the world have seen Palace under Frank De Boer and Ipswich win under Paul Hurst? Go ahead. Fair point. Uh, <laughs> anybody that was at that game, to be fair. So whatever the <laughs> attendance was at that game, uh, that, that's the answer to that question. Low. I think, I, I think the, the, the kind of key thing is going to be those teams around us. Who's going to finish below us? Brentford can. Crystal Palace can. And then I'm looking for another candidate. I have in my head that Norwich City can finish 16th, 15th this season. I am still looking for the other teams that I think can finish below us, but I've already pegged two that I think can. And what it's up to Norwich City to do is to actually get to the point where they, they sort of imbue me with even more belief that that can happen. And the way that they will do that is by not getting under pressure early this season. And unfortunately, the fixture list has done what it's done. But Conversely, even if we do have no points after five games, two wins in the Premier League, and we're back in it. And you're close to that point per game straight away, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. A couple of wins after that, and you're you're right back in the the sort of thick of it. And I think the key thing for me this season is it comes down to that playing style again, because... Confident Newcastle United fan there. (laughs) (laughs) No, by the way, Newcastle could be one of those, but you would expect them to to twist their Confident hand. Palace fan as well. There you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I think those are those are two teams that, that that could be in there. But what they have is the ability that they can twist their hand and, and bring in a new manager who could dramatically alter things. And it's what kind of choice of route they decide to go down to do that. But I <laughs> that's look... about the size of it. Can you change your tactics like Paul Cook changes his voice? Any, anyway, finish your thought, Hodgie. Um, by the way, um, while Hodgie finishes his thought, we do some questions. If anyone wants to bang any questions in, any disparaging comments towards um, Stuart Hodge will all be read out. I have control of the um, I have control of the chat here. So, um, but finish your thought. Get your questions in. Um, and we'll, we'll go. We'll go a little bit longer if that's cool, Hodge. Do you, do you, I'm happy. Do you want me to finish my thought and I kind of? Paul Cook voice jumping style. <laughs> yeah, I really do. Right, uh, I think the lads can probably. Uh, now go really out, deep. Oh, you can out a couple of results uh, against some of the teams around us, but later on it's going to be harder as the season goes on. What um, has he done to his vocal cords? Poor guy. They are screwed, aren't they? Oh, man. I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's like. Do you think he was one of those guys that smoked cigars but actually inhaled it? Like, because <laughs> the, the anti-Bill Clinton, you know, I did inhale. Um, and because that was what I did the first time I smoked a cigar. Anyway, Norwich City is going to be key. The, the, the change of system is going to be key this season because games like, so you brought up the fixture list. If you've still got that at your disposal, you can bring it back up again. Um, so look at the likes of that Everton game, if you want to hover over that. That Everton game, last time in the Premier League, I would have gone, that, you know That what? was an away win, wasn't it? It was, actually, right? So probably not the best example. But going into that game, I would have gone, this is going to be tough, right? This is this is going to be tough. I don't expect us to get anything from it. Whereas I look at that game now, and if you're playing 4-3-3 against that team, I'm thinking, do you know what? We could get a draw there. We can definitely get a goal. And that's where Rashidza impressed me. Because I look at Rashidza... Uh, there was one point he had Simikas, 
on on toast when he when he beat them, not, he not make them. I'm not seeing it. Can we can we um, binary position ourselves on this because it's fun for the podcast? So, oh yeah, uh, definitely. yeah. I'm I'm not seeing it yet, but I'll I'll be I'll be I'll be proved wrong if I'm proved wrong. I'm I didn't see what I think you're uh, maybe uh, looking for it in the first game. No, I'm seeing a I'm seeing a guy that's got definite technique, skill, and what he's brought is a real hunger to prove himself in a new situation. You just need to watch some of his goals reels uh, in Germany, and it, it shows you the, the, the level of talent we've got. I uh, was speaking to a few of my sort of fellow commentators that, that I kind of do shifts with, and uh, one of them was like, oh, because this is a thing that's bloody annoyed me this summer as well, right? <laughs> as all of these pundits, yeah, Norwich are going to finish bottom, right? Why are they going to finish bottom? Because they've sold Buendia. And that is the sum total of the bloody <laughs> analysis, right? Look at some of the recruitment we have actually done, right? And one of the other commentators is like, oh, you've signed Milot Rashica. Yes, we have bloody signed Milot Rashica, and he's going to be good. Right, and I saw flashes of that in the Liverpool game. I'm confident he's going to be an asset because he looks decent. Cholis is young, but oh my goodness, he could be exciting. And the thing is, Norwich City have brought in attacking talent. If we can supplement that with a proper number six, some cover of the fullback positions, and another centre back. Now, on the centre back, what I would say is Hanley and Gibson are a partnership. Defence is about partnership. Stick a question up there at that point. Is Ben Gibson good enough for the Premier League? Obviously, struggled heavily at Burnley. Followed up, struggled to get in the team at Burnley, basically, rather than struggling in the team. But I'll be interested to see how that Hanley Gibson partnership, which was so so good last season in the Championship, holds up in the Premier League. They're definitely good together. Whether they're good together at this level remains to be seen, and I'll be interested to see how that develops. I think at this point, it still feels like a legitimate question. So I wouldn't definitely say that, yeah, he's, he's good enough to be in a in a good Premier League team. But one thing I would say as well, uh, just, to, just to kind of mitigate for the defenders a wee bit, is Norwich City play a style that it's hard for a defender to look good the way that Norwich City play sometimes because we're asking, we're asking them to do quite a lot that a Steve Bruce team, for example, does not do. So... I think that's one thing that I would say. Best game I've commentated, Cameron Hansel, Norwich City 5, Nottingham Forest 1, by the way. Um, but yeah, I would... I, I would oh, a good picture of Grant Hanley as well. I, I think holding the Ballon d'Or, I don't think he'll ever do that in his, um, in his career. But if he can, <laughs> if, if him and Gibson can strike up that understanding, and I think a couple of clean sheets for Norwich City, a couple big, of clean sheets yeah, would be massive. If we, I'll tell you what. Here's a prediction, right? If we can get two is it a bold sheets, prediction? It's fairly bold. If we can get <laughs> two clean sheets on the trot, that that's the F, right? Because I'm not predicting that. If Arsenal and Watford. If we can get two clean sheets on the trot, we finish at least sixteenth. Interesting. Interesting. Regardless of anything else. By the way, have we got someone that's keeping track of us? Because we, we, we've got discrepancies on Rashica. We've got discrepancies <laughs> on Gilmer, I think. Uh, I, I'm, we've got I think your position on... is that all of the Norwich signings are outstanding and they're all going to be complete ballers no, this season. No, 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 it's not. It's not. Do you want to go it through is. them? It is. You said, I, you said you think Sargent's going to be brilliant. You think Rashica's is going to be brilliant. Gilmore is the next... No, Gilmore no. is hang the next. On, hang on, hang Gilmore on. Gilmore is the next savvy, and you think Janoulis is brilliant as well, and you think Gibson's going to be top notch. Who does that leave? 
So I didn't see that's did you put You compared Sargent to Dirk Cow. He played like three hundred Premier no. League games, didn't he? I told you that people that I spoke to compared them to Dirk Cow. Oh, okay. Right. So right. And you said you respect I, them I, and you believe them. What what the what are you trying to do, Paxman? Right. Now let's let's go through these. Yanulis, <laughs> I think getting up be, in my face here. Aye, Yanulis, I think will be. I oh, know it's good. You've, you've actually. Do you know what? I've kept my composure <laughs> in each one of these pods when you've tried this, and you finally succeeded. So well done, right? Yanulis, I think will be a good Premier League player, and I think he will be a success. Sergeant, I've got questions over, but I think he could be the kind of player that gets more out of the people around him. I don't know if my uh, thing, well, my connection went there. If it did, no, no, keep going, keep going. <clears throat> so, Ben Gibson, I've just said there was legitimate questions about at this level. So that's that's a clear case of you putting words in my mouth. No, that's uh, not a new sign. That's not a new sign. He's been there a season, hasn't he? On loan. Mm, he's been there half a season and he was a permanently signed this summer. So you can kind of count it. Same okay. with you, Now, Billy Gilmar, bit of national pride. But yeah, I think you said he was the next. You said he was the next savvy, and he had England in his pocket. It was uh, he did have England in his pocket. <laughs> uh, I, I did say that his game is kind of reminiscent of Xavi. And actually, a show that I was on for Football Joe in the summer, just after the we beat you now now at the Euros. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was actually the English lad next to me, Ruben Pinder, who said that he is like Xavi. No, you're so blaming not, Ruben not Pinder me. now. Not me. Right. Christos Scholes is it's one of those. It could be amazing. It could like it could be like proper wow. Or it's like too too early for the lad. Might not acclimatize to, to, to England, whatever. Um so that feels like the one where there's the biggest potential payoff, but also probably a lot of questions about it, I would say. Milot Rashidza, I think, will be a success. Uh, I think Josh Sargent is, yeah, again, questions over the goals. Have I missed anyone? Who have I missed? No, I don't think you have. Um, Pierre-Les Pierre uh, Surprising that we got him for the value we did. And I think based on what we paid for him, I think we will get value for money. Yeah, I agree on that one, actually. And by the way, I was talking about bits of Buendia's game being replaced by committee. What Les Malou brings is that ability to press and that tenacity that people often didn't didn't really identify about Emi Buendia's game until it was pointed out because he was so good at winning the ball in the opposition half and, and pressing and, and starting attacks by winning the ball high up the pitch. So I think that's one of the things that Pierre Les Malou does. And obviously he's, he's shown he can he can shoot from distance as well. So And, and experience. Experience is massive. I was talking to Stuart Weber about Mario Vrancic a few years back. And, you and pick, we actually, do you want to pick that one up? Um, well, on, on Vrancic, what he said was, <laughs> what he said was, he's not going to be someone that we're going to have a massive sell on with at the time. He said, but I reckon he'll give us good value over the course of his contract. And he did. And I think Pierre Lennon is a better example of the same thing. Yeah, and I, I actually agree with you on that because that's what we were saying last time. I was flagging up a player with some top top level experience in the last few seasons as well, and um, I, I think he had a, a fairly decent debut. Right? Any more questions in that? We've gone over the hour. I've wound um, Hodge up <laughs> to the point of distraction here. Um, uh, that, that was good. I, I think like if we've got any questions about Ipswich, I would like to to see them fired at you because what I would ask you is. 
what what's your general take on Ipswich so far, Ben? Because I mean, there's a few things you could look at and say, yeah, there's there's reason to be despondent. And I know that you're one where it's like, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. But I mean, are you are you getting too despondent at the moment with the, um, the, the early start? I'm very very much. Um, there's there's three modes. There's three three positions here. There's give them time, give them time, give them time. Then there's this is absolute rubbish, but give them time. And then there's this is absolute rubbish. Um, in just in terms of pure, um, regardless of any mitigating factors, um, this is just purely squad size expenditure versus results. There's a point where it becomes just oh, no, that's dreadful. Do you know what I mean? Where it's just too much. So at the moment, um, I'm very much understanding of the point of view. And it look, it's not a zero sum game. It's not binary. I understand the people who are, and this is not me sitting right in the middle because I genuinely understand the people who say, look, give it time, it will gel. It might, well, you think it will gel. Um, and I do understand the people who say, that's a really terrible first four games. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm playing for time here, but you've got to give me eight games. You've got to give me a game against Charlton, you know, a game against Charlton, Pompey, Sunderland, whoever, and if they were to get battered. It's it's all it's all well and good. That losing. won't happen. That'll be the game you win. It's <laughs> yeah, right. Be the yeah. games against. It's all well and good losing. You know, two one to two long throws at Cheltenham or whatever. But losing four nil at Lincoln or something. That's where everyone will go. They're not buying into this. This is not clicking. This is not working. And then on my whiteboard, you start looking at October the 9th and tenth and international breaks and November the thirteenth and fourteenth, and you start thinking. You know, when do owners start getting touchy? Hopefully, and I've been expecting it each game, the win comes and then you can start move forward. As long as they're within, you know, you know what it's like, Hodge, in a in a 2014 league with playoffs. You just hmm. need to be ninth, eighth, and you can make a reasonable argument that if you do two points per game for eight games during the playoffs. So that's that's where I am. I think they've signed some very good players, but Yes, they need time to gel. And yes, they've been rubbish. Or sorry, the results have been rubbish so far. That's and where that, I am with it. That's a key distinction, I think. Is I don't think it's been absolutely abject. You're not looking at it and, and going, well, you, you can't really see anything here. But the, Hodge, the maddening thing was we would play in an awful bang average way under Paul Lambert. And we'd probably have like 10 points so far this season. And we'd have won mm. a few of the games 1-0. Do you know what I mean? And you're sitting there but, thinking, I don't get it. Do you know but what I mean? Con conversely, right, so you're mentioning the games against the Sunderlands, the Pompeys, whatever. You would go into that game and your abject lack of quality or any real purpose oh, you got, or plan would be... Definitely going to lose. Yeah, Exactly. Whereas I think with Paul Cook, even if you struggle to sort of get it together and eke out those results at places like Cheltenham and against Morecambe, whatever... I think when it comes to the big games, it will lift you and you'll have a plan and you'll be able to hurt these teams. And that is the key difference in why you're in a better place, like signings aside, than, than you were before. Now, just want to pick up, there's a couple of other good questions that I think are worth firing at you. Eddie uh, Waller, by the way, saying, Ben, stop it. This is like watching shooting fish in a barrel when talking about you winding me up. What I would ask you today is, have you ever watched fish being shot in a barrel? Because I have not. I've heard the saying, but I've never seen it. Um, Sorry, and I'm, I'm glad. Being I'm glad. Cantankerous. My bad. no. It's all right. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you're winding me up. 
but um, it's the first time it's worked. I'm kind of it's in a band that's <laughs> yeah. come. Oh, you you catch you catch me, and I'll completely embarrass myself and be absolutely horrible one day if I just I, haven't had a meal or haven't had enough sleep <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I'll, I'll zoom in and in personal insults ahoy. Sorry, was there another one you wanted me to put up? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Robin's talk, H. Robin's talk says, Ben, do you think Paul Cook will make the squad click eventually? And my sort of supplement to that, just to throw on, would be how long does he get to do that? And at what point do they start going, has this guy got what it takes? Where where would you need, what, what situation, where would you be in the table? What time of the year for them to go, we're going to cut our losses here? So the, the beats are October 9th and 10th, um, November 13th, 14th, and then January transfer window, aren't they? So for example, if at October 9th and 10th, it's 10 games without a win or something, I mean, he might he might resign uh, rather than rather than walk. Do you know what I mean? He's that kind of he's got that kind of emotion. Then the um, the old graveyard championship shift, that second international break. The, sorry, the third one in November. That's where managers often lose their jobs in the championship, don't they? So um, that would be one where that's bottom half, and then things are starting to look. And then you have the you have the thing of okay nice new owners, blah, 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 attract new manager. New manager doesn't want to come in on January the 31st. He wants to come in on December the 5th or whatever. And he he wants to say, ah, oh, but I will be requiring this player, this player and this player. So those would be the beats. Honestly, I think he'll be here the season. And I don't want to sound like a arrogant um, fan. I think there'll be a period where they'll have a really good run where oh, they'll win sort of I five in seven do. games or something and score a lot of points. I think quickly. it'll be longer than that. I think yeah. it'll be longer than that. I can see you win like eight and ten or ten and twelve, even like I, I can see Ipswich once they hit their stride under this guy going and obliterating the competition in this division. I really do think that your squad is that good and he's that good a manager at this level. I hope so. I very, very much hope so. Right. Last one for me. Last on, one just ahead. for me. Um Paul Cook, still the right man, and can he guide you to the top six this season? Will he think, guide you to the top six of the season? In fact, put your name. I mean, yeah, I've pre- I've predicted that we'll finish in the in the top six. Um, you're looking at it now, and you're thinking if someone's going to get ninety to ninety five points, if this sounds ridiculous, you have actually given them a head start now. Do you know what I mean? With one point in the first three games, and you know, MK, and then and then win, but surely there'll be a win in one of those two games, and yeah. Then I'll say exactly the same you you said about Norwich, where you look at that five game mark and you <laughs> you're like we are miles away, and you essentially then have to play well for about twenty games in a row, don't you, to get yourself. And um, to be fair, like you mentioned, the Norwich in eighteen nineteen, they they did they didn't play well for twenty games in a row. They played well for pretty much forty in a you know the entire last. So it's that level of consistency then. You need, and of course, that requires muscle memory, confidence, all of those things we talk about winning philosophy, which just has been grossly absent at my football club for many, <laughs> many years, indeed. I, um, I, th- I think you've got enough new players, you've got the new manager. I, I don't think it's it's quite, I, I don't think those ghosts are necessarily hanging around the dressing room still right now, but if you don't win like at least a couple of your next five games, it's not maybe changing, three, is it? Then that's that's when you go. 
maybe this is a wider thing than players and managers. Yeah. Maybe it's a but, club thing. And that well, then becomes a really interesting question. Yeah. And can you imagine sitting through these things of, you know, in the Premier League, finish fifth, completely tank, get relegated, ITV Digital goes bust, losing the playoffs two years running to the same team, um, go into administration, all of this stuff, sell all your assets, um, Roy Keane, Paul Jewell. Then Marcus Evans takes over and you think, yes, we're back. We're back. No, even worse, down another division. And then can you imagine that not working out as well? You do start, and we've had conversations with Ipswich fans where you think, it's cursed. Ever since we knocked down the North Stand, it's cursed. The, the club is doomed never to get promoted ever, 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 ever again. And you you start to think, it's like Gareth Keenan and his, and his calculator. It's like, well, the only possibility now is the calculator's broken. The, the, the club <laughs> is broken. It can, it's doomed never to ever win again. You, you start to think like that, which is, yeah, a little bit ridiculous. But do, do, hey. do you know what, right? Like, if you ask anyone in the game, they'll be like, absolute nonsense. No <laughs> way any of that as a factor. Right? I would be, if you were if you were the Ipswich fan saying that, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Come on, look at your manager. Look at the, look at the investment. Look at the club size relative to division. That's ridiculous. But come on, you know what it's like as a fan. You can see the glass half empty in any situation, can't you? uh, Well, aye. But the the other thing is, what you've got to do is, like, such mediocrity and such a a horrible spiral downwards, just with everything going wrong at each stage. Have you watched the the last two seasons? I've not. I've seen bits, mate. Exactly as you just described, just stinking mediocrity. Papers and... Like, there's no way to paper over the cracks or something like that. And the thing is, he's a fan. You've got to find an explanation. And if that means turning to the supernatural, then, (laughs) I mean, that just shows how bad it's got. Do you know the most depressing thing is that, and again, I don't want to sound arrogant um, uh, talking about League One, because like you said, some great clubs in there, Morecambe and Cheltenham and Burton, brilliant. You know, you love it. You live proper, proper football clubs. But you, you look at it and you think, we were rubbish. Still finished eleventh. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And you you think, oh, the, the do you see what I'm getting at? The sense of hashtag you know, levels, mate. Hashtag yeah, you can't. Levels. You can be that bad, and what, how good would you have to be to just get into the playoffs? Doesn't feel like you'd have to be that good if you're Ipswich or Pompey's or Sunderland's or Oxford's or whoever's size in that division. And actually, that's something that can kind of console you after this sort of rubbish start to the season as, do you know what, it's not going to take that much for our team to get good enough to be in the top six. Because yeah. with that squad Agreed. of players, you absolutely should be. And you've got a manager that I believe will put it together. Brilliant. Right. We've gone long. Aaron, 21 minutes. Thank you, everybody, for all of your fun and games. Um, look, if I'm being horrible to him, it is half for effect. You do know that, <laughs> don't you? I'm not a bad person. I, I gonna... do. Otherwise, I would have like I would have <laughs> got angry. I'm going to ruin my um, ruin my good reputation here. Right, look, thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you for the subscribes. Thank you for the super chats. We're going to be back on the Hodge on Nodge channel uh, where Norwich will be at home. And hopefully, both teams will have a... Or more than one win or a clean sheet, at least by by that point. Else, these are going to get very, very depressing very, very quickly. Oh, mate, that, do you know what? That's actually, I hadn't, I hadn't sort of thought of that in that kind of context yet. Aye, 
Like, if both of us have miserable seasons, stop right? it. Should we? I'll tell you what, right? See if it gets that bad. Should we actually try? Now, we're talking about the supernatural, right? Should we try <laughs> maybe like a break in the behind enemy lines to see if it affects results? Like, do, do you could think do. We, we could actually have like um, taking this away or and then maybe even bringing it back? Could Can have, I like, just a say, positive or negative effect? when I was a teenager, I always used to go to the games with the same guy. And um, if I sat to the left-hand side of my mate Warren, we got a good result. And I literally remember one game, we were we were behind and like someone going, what are you doing? You're sat to his right, move over. And we swapped places and we, <laughs> we won. So, yeah, I have Unreal. done the whole supernatural nonsense stuff before. Um, anyway, thank you. Um, go and subscribe to Hodge on YouTube uh, so you can see the next show. And we will be back in a fortnight say goodbye Hodge goodbye thanks to everyone in the comments really really lively tonight and um, I'm enjoying these more and more every time we do them if you do subscribe to my channel uh, or my Twitter or whatever then you will see when we are doing the next one of these you know it's going to be in a couple of Thursdays time barring sort of hell or high water but well I say barring hell or high water if hell or high water comes then it might get cancelled but if you subscribe then you'll you'll know when it's coming and be able to watch on on both channels because that's what we want to do mate we want to unite the fan bases don't we never gonna happen is it never gonna happen. as much as right. You can. <laughs> right see you all later over now out.